0: Hello, you're listening to 101 Part Time Jobs podcast, where I speak to musicians and artists about how they've been able to make playing music work for them. I'm very excited to welcome Katie J. Pearson to the show. Her album Return, that came out this time last year on Heavenly, is one of my favorite records of recent years. And seeing her at Green Man, which we talk a little bit later on about, was an absolute spectacle she's playing village underground here in london next monday it's sold out we talk a little bit about that too thank you so much for listening to the podcast as always this is episode 133 if it's your first time listening scroll down i'm sure there's someone you might want to listen to talking about their jobs and how they've been able to survive doing the thing that we know them for Keeping my feet warm in the last couple of weeks since they launched, Sayety Socks in Brighton have a new range of seriously soft socks made in Europe out of organic cotton and delivered to you in sustainable packaging. You can get 15% off your order from Sayertysocks.com. That's S-E-I-T-Y socks, with 10% of all their profits going to Gig Buddies, who are an organization enabling people with learning difficulties to enjoy their communities through live music events something we can all get behind katie j pearson on 101 part-time jobs go well
2: cheers it's a crazy one i think you know you do all these tours and then you finish and then you're like you know at the moment I'm still at a level where I'm not making a full living from it and if, I think if I think when I was younger oh yeah I was always just working like in retail or working in a in a pub and then playing a show coming back getting trying to get back for a Sunday to do a four-hour shift um otherwise I'd lose my job and you know finish at like 2 a.m I did like two sh- two like sets on a Saturday one with my band one with another band I was in bed by 3 a.m got up at 6am, got back to Bristol for nine, started work at 10 till five. And then, you know, it's just crazy.
0: <laughs> Have you, because you started playing really young, didn't you?
2: Yes, I did. So I first started kind of gigging when I was 15, I guess. So with my brother. So at the time I do gigs on the, on the weekdays and then be doing my GCSEs or whatever. But like, it wasn't like, you know, my parents are cracking the whip and making me like go out and make a living from music. It's more just a few different gigs here and there. But yeah, it's like, be my main kind of thing i've done i mean i'm going to be 26 next year but i've been doing it for like 10 years yeah
0: <laughs> i love that there's that kind of prof- like taking something that is fun and is and is enjoyable and, and having kind of a, a serious kind of entrepreneurial kind of mindset you know what i mean and that kind of organizational mm. side of it
2: yeah totally i feel like um now that i've kind of been doing it for a, a quite a while i think you know i've just finished my second record and recording it and stuff and you know i think there's this kind of music is something that everyone dreams of doing you know and it's like oh my god being a full-time musician and you know there is a part of me that does refer to it as my work now um, and it still is something that is I did predominantly when I began for fun there is a side of it now where like you know I have to be more business-minded and I have a lot of freedom and control from heavenly so like I am at the helm of what I'm doing so Mm. yeah I think it is one of those things where I'm always thinking of different merch things I could do and ways to make more money um to keep myself afloat. So, you know, I think with this kind of job you have to be like literally always thinking about ways of kind of making sure you don't go bankrupt, I guess. <laughs> doing music, I think, you know, I've definitely had like a lot of financial instability doing a job like this because, you know, even you know, I have a, a band and I wanna treat them as session musicians, so I pay them a wage. Um and because I'm paying them a wage, I'm I decided not to pay myself a wage for the last tour I did to ensure that I could pay them. But then I'm getting money for my next advance, but, you know, it's always kind of, you know, there's always times of instability and then suddenly you have money again. You're like, Oh, cool. I'm back on the straight and narrow. You know, I've got some money for the time being, but I remember, I think lockdown was definitely a point where I was like, Oh God, like, you know, my, a lot for all of our people that are gigging musicians, you know, our income predominantly comes from live, and selling merch so I was like oh god but then it was actually like a all right time because there were all those grants for musicians and I managed to get on universal credit so you know it was all right but yeah it is kind of big peaks and troughs.
0: I think I wonder for a lot of people our sort of age you know you look to bands like a, a lot of bands in the 90s and and a lot of those bands were on the dole or you know they're they're on those you know they're kind of basically making it work for themselves.
2: Absolutely. It's a funny one because I was talking to my friend about this yesterday and we we're just saying, you know, it back in back in those times, like you could just leave college and if you want, you had a hankering to do something creative, be like, well, you know what? I'm just going to go on the dole and be like, that's going to be me and I'm going to dedicate myself to my music and that's what I'm going to do. It's bizarre, isn't it, when you actually think that like in the 70s, 80s, 90s, it's like, right, well, you know what? I want to do this creative career and if I do that I'm not gonna be able to work and I think that's the thing I was even talking to my friend and being like you know I wouldn't mind getting like a part-time job um over the Christmas period but the problem is because people in where I live now know I do music and I'm busy with it they're very like cautious to hire me because I know that I'm going to be off doing other things right so it is a real you know it's a tricky situation
0: totally I mean getting jobs and and be like you know I'm gonna go away for for, for a month and yeah and
2: that's
0: has, has that happened to you where, where you where you've spoken to someone about getting shifts and and they've said that
2: I swear like every time I've had a job like you know I've started I've been at the job it's been great and then I've been like okay um been offered a three-week tour I need to do it and they're like we have to just leave like they're not like the only work you can get as a musician you know I mean for me it's been like anything in hospitality, zero hour contract, mm. So you haven't got that protection of like guaranteed employment when you come back. So it is, you know, I think it is a it is a nightmare. I think it can be a nightmare. And, you know, a lot of me, my friends and my peers, you know, are in similar situations. And until, you know, you are at a level where you're making a full living, you know, it is kind of going back and forth between making a living and then being like, right, I need to go back and work on, a, on behind a bar. or But then obviously you're like, oh, I need to do a gig this weekend. They're like, but we need you on weekends. And you're like, oh gig i need to do the gig
0: (laughs) has it always been you know straightforward like that sort of you have that you know you back yourself there's there's that faith or belief where you're like no i'm i'm i have to do that i have to play
2: yeah absolutely i think because i've just done it for so long now and like i feel like i'm really starting to finally get somewhere and feeling really good about everything. I think, you know, it's all been worth it. There's obviously points where you're like, Oh my God, why am I doing this? Like everyone else has got a nine to five stability. Yeah. And you think, Oh God, like really putting myself through like a a challenging career, but actually, you know, the other side of things actually is just so much fun. It is worth it. Um, you know, there are points where I'm like freaking out about money and I'm skin and then I'm like, you know, but then suddenly, you know, I'll do a show and I'll sell some merch and I'll have some money, or I'll get a good PRS payment, or my PPL payment will come in. And I'll be like, "Thank God!" <laughs> it's a funny one, but you know, I feel like I'm so used to living this way that I wouldn't, I wouldn't choose any other way of doing it. Really, I think, you know, I would like to have in the future. You know, it'd be great to have a bit more financial stability, but
0: at the at right now, it's it's all right. It'll do. <laughs> I think anyone you know i'm i'm 30 and and i still do it every day where where i speak to friends and you know you hear about what other people are doing and think oh wow you're doing amazing you know and there's always that you know i don't want to say comparing ourselves to people but maybe there is a bit of that i guess i wonder you know is the answer to you know the solution to those kind of bad thoughts is it is it surrounding yourself with with good people and surrounding yourself with people who believe in you and and have faith in you as much as you do
2: absolutely i think It's so important that you have that and you have like a strong base of friends and family and people that get it. And also, you know, it's really important to have your friends that don't do what you do to ground you. But also, you know, I think it's really vital that you have people doing the same thing as you. So you don't feel like isolated in your kind of situation because doing music as a job is like a whirlwind career. And, you know, it's really Great and also really challenging and I think you know I've just come off my like one of the like longest tours I've done and you know you're on tour um I did like one point like twelve shows in a row and then doing so many gigs and I got back and I was like whoa like you know everyone else has just been in Bristol you know doing their kind of standard job and I think you know I like reached out to my friend and I was like God I feel really weird after that tour like I'm like you know because your reality is so shifted between you know, every night you're going on stage and you're playing a gig to like all these people and you just do that. And you're like, I just go and stand on stage every night and sing. And that's what I do. And, you know, it can sometimes really baffle you. So I think it is a bizarre one. So I think, you know, I really appreciate my peers and people that do the same thing that kind of just keep me like reassured that it's okay to be a bit overwhelmed sometimes because it's a bizarre job.
0: (laughs) Going to gigs and and talking to friends about music, you know, that's so many that's so many people's main hobbies, you know, that's like the main mm. thing they do, you know, when they have free time. Yeah. Is there a friction between, you know, then that becoming work and it's socializing? It's, it's, it's all mish, it's all mash.
2: Yeah, <laughs> um, absolutely. I think, um, I totally think that. I think, you know, there's a point where I could still go to gigs for the enjoyment and I still do, but there is an added kind of like, I don't know, y- if you do gigs all the time and you go to a gig environment and you've been there all, loads, you do feel a bit tired, a bit anxious. You'll be like, Oh God, I'm back here again in this environment. And for other people it's so alien to them and they do their nine to five job, you know, in office and they go to a gig and it's exciting. But then yeah, when there's your work, you know, it's a real kind of um, double edged, what's that double edged sword? Yeah, that's the word. Double edged spoon. <laughs> double edged spoon thing. And um, I think it is kind of frustrating because, you know, you use music as a kind of like, and gigs as a therapy. But then if yeah. that is also just relates to your work, it's like trying to find the middle ground of like when to do it, when to go, and when you should maybe just give yourself a break. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's kind of tricky territory, I guess.
0: I was just listening to an interview with Charlotte Church and she started up a, a, pl- like a, a sort of getaway in, in Wales. And she was talking about how music's been our therapy forever. You know, for as long as we've been alive, music has been our therapy and, yeah. and I guess I'd never thought about it like that before it's so obvious but yeah
2: oh my god it's so true and I think it's kind of when you do music as a, a job like for a few days I didn't really listen to music so I was like my brain was just like I just listened to too much and it's my favorite thing to do um but now I've like had a bit of time off it and like now I've got my monitor set up and I'm listening to music again and it's really lovely mm. but yeah I think it's um or like, I don't know, it's even like if you go on tour, the band, that it's music you love, but then actually they're dickheads and then you can't really listen to their music anymore because you <laughs> relate it to a bad experience you've had on tour. And it's like, oh no, great album. You've ruined <laughs> it.
0: You know, we've ruined it for ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> Return has gone down so well. At Green Man, it was just Wild.
2: It was crazy there. I was like, whoa, oh my lord. It was yeah, one of my favourite gigs I've done. I I had such a good time.
0: It just felt it was just a party. It was just a brilliant, brilliant party. Yeah,
2: everyone was so happy. Like all my like team and everyone I worked with was like was just like crying backstage. I was like, oh my god. (laughs) It was so yeah, it was very emotion an emotional time.
0: (laughs) When something, you know, like that happens, do you have to bring yourself down? Do you have to kind of ground yourself in 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 some way and and try and keep a sort of level head
2: recently with everything I do you know I'm constantly just like what is going on like that I'm doing that what doing this Mm. you know and I think I kind of have just been like you know I kind of imagine myself just like I'm just kind of taking it in my stride you know but then now I've had a bit of time to kind of take in the last like few months I'm just like bloody hell like you know and I think Ground, grounding myself is so important and you know I really kind of make sure when I'm off tour that I kind of go to see old family friends and you know just kind of seeing old friends and just yeah just grounding myself back to like just being Katie and not being the performer and mm. you know it's so important to have that kind of separation because otherwise you're just going to go insane um how big but, is that
0: separation for you do you think I don't
2: know I feel like I kind of sometimes it's hard to separate and because it's just me I'm just me and I'm me on stage and I don't really have a kind of alter ego I'm I normally I mean I'm a bit more nervous on stage but I don't really change much about the vibe when I go on stage you know I speak in between like I'd speak to my mates and then I sing in a completely like the way that I speak and talk is so opposite to how I sing everyone's like what like that comes out of your mouth but you're just like (laughs) (laughs) even now we're kind of When I just in Bristol, like people seem to kind of know who I am a bit more. And so I go to gigs and I do get a lot of people coming up to me. And I think, you know, it's really flattering. And I'm so like, oh, this is amazing. But, you know, I think if you're having a bad day and you're feeling a bit vulnerable, it can also be a bit like, oh, God, like they know who I am. Like, Mm. oh, I'm Mm. just me. I'm Mm. that, you know. And I think it is a kind of, it's a very surreal place to be in because, you know, you're just yourself, you're just you. And I think, I love making music and I love what I do Um, but it's surreal when suddenly the way that you might have been towards artists you love people are being that to you you're like oh my god this is weird
0: (laughs) when you're at home and not doing anything directly related to recording or playing how do you make time for yourself to kind of think about your vision I suppose kind of think about the ideas and and build up the imagery or you know the the sound in what ways can you kind of make time for yourself to do that
2: yeah um I guess for me like even literally just like where I live in my room like it's a real like safe space I have like all my instruments in here and I have my music set up now and yeah to take inspiration from so I feel like that's like super important and then also I feel like even just like I find like walking and if I've got things I need to think about and work out like if I just walk I'll just go on a day I'll just like walk around Bristol with my headphones on and I'll just like send voice notes to my managers like and be thinking about this and maybe we can do this and you know I'm like still by like a busy road just like oh we could try this you know <laughs> and I think when I'm walking I can I like things kind of come into into fruition and I have like oh we could do that um so I think yeah I'm lucky that I have like a lot of different ways that I can kind of think of, like little safe space that I can think about the future and, you know, give myself time to work out what I want to do next. And
0: walking's such a big one, mm. you know, with a, with a partner or a friend or family. If if you're if the, if it's a bit muddled or a bit dense in your mind, a walk always always helps. It's mad.
2: Every time. And you, like, sometimes think, like, oh, I don't want to go for a walk. And you do it, and you're like, yeah. oh, I feel so much better. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just so important. And, you know, when it was lockdown, me and my housemates, like, we we got into cold water swimming. And we used to go to Clevedon, which is, like, the town next door to Bristol. And they, they've they got, like, a um, a tide pool. Um, So Brilliant. we like, did swimming there. And, like, that was just, like, the best. Like, especially when you're just a bit kind of stressed and a bit like, oh, feeling a bit lethargic, get in that freezing water, you know, it makes you feel fantastic.
0: <laughs> did that become a routine?
2: It did, we kind of went most mornings and I miss it so much because I don't drive so, and I've just been away so much that, you know, I'm craving that kind of just like thing, mm. you know, and also just being in the water, like connecting to the water and being in nature is just like so important. And I think especially with the job I do, like, you know, you got so much pressure and so much kind of like to be I don't know you you're having to put yourself out there a lot and you're very vulnerable to a lot of of things and I think getting outside in nature and just taking mm. a few deep breaths getting in the water it's just like very like soothing.
0: Yeah brilliant and and, and that, that kind of routine that schedule obviously tours are so regimented do, do you kind of have a schedule or routine at home when you're when you're writing or when you're sort of living not
2: really but actually I have been thinking about like kind of getting back into it because you know yeah as you say when I was on tour I had my amazing tour manager in and she was like telling me where like what I need to get up we had our master tour I knew where I had to be I knew I've had time to go you know I would a lot a lot of time on in different cities we went to I would like make sure I gave myself like two hours on my own to walk around the city to just give myself time away from everyone and I had a real like routine life and it was yeah, you get you you get really used to it. You know, I was away for almost five weeks, and you know that was my life. I was like, okay, this is how I live now. Yeah. Um. And you know, you you quickly get used to that. And I think, yeah, when you do get home, and you know, I've been back for like, I mean, I was back for like three days, and then I went on I went to Athens for a week, on holiday. Right. Um. And then I was back for like two days, and then I went to play in Paris, and then I got back on Sunday. So yeah, I haven't really had like a solid time at home for like three months or whatever. So <laughs> I do feel like now I'm back and I know I'm going to be back for, you know, until i not, I'm not going to be touring again until next year and probably not till like February, like March, April time. So it's actually kind of exciting that I've got this time to kind of, you know, get back into a routine where I live and think about what i want to do next for the next, for the next album and what other things I can do with my time because I'm not so busy, which is, I loved it, but it's nice to be thinking, Oh, I might have time to do this or mm-hmm. go do this course or you know, start doing more swimming again or whatever. So yeah, it's kind of exciting.
0: Growing up, you know, playing playing with your brother and having that deal, I mean, I wonder if, you know, and it speaks to me, you know, the title of, of the record, Return, where, you know, I wondered if, if you kind of went into that record and you went into Katie J. Pearson having learned a fair amount.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I didn't go to university and I, I like finished my art foundation when I was like 19 and then literally like three months later we signed to um our the major label um we were working with and yeah it was like a complete baptism of fire you know I was working with like real big dogs and I was like you know it was it was crazy it was amazing and I you know there are parts of it that were really shit and there are other parts of it that were really like defining like for me as a person and I think yeah I don't regret any of it I think like it's all happened I don't know I'm very like it's all happened for a reason but I do feel that and I think if I hadn't done that and hadn't signed to that label in the first place I wouldn't have had the kind of validation and confidence that I was good enough to be a musician so you know Mm. I think it's all kind of a really good thing and yeah from having all of that and experiencing all these different things I think it meant that going into the new project I had such a more focused and authentic sense of like who I was as a person and like what I what I wanted to be because I've been shown so many options in my other label of all the things I didn't want to be and all the things that I was trying to make to be that I was like I hate this mm. so it meant that by the end of it I was a bit broken bit confused bit traumatized but you know I had a much more realized idea of what I wanted and not to take you know any shit really so I think it was yeah
0: all very good. <laughs> I do feel like it, it like a lot of artists everyone's expected to kind of develop their vision and identity or whatever what you want to call it plans so quickly it mm. doesn't seem like people are given much time to nurture or develop themselves.
2: Oh absolutely like so true I mean if I think about back to like my first project with my brother and the people we were working with and it was just actually kind of nuts because like you know i was literally just 19 i was still an insecure teenager you know i didn't know who i was and i think you know being expected to have a strong sense of style and image and sonic mm. idea of mm. who you are is like completely baffles me and you know I'm, I'm you know i'm sure there are some people out there that were aware of what they wanted to be but i had no idea so i was just you know just chucking things at the wall seeing if it would stick really like I love art and I'm really passionate about it. And I think the fact that in my first project, you know, I wasn't really given much say or involvement with creating of my, any of my artwork for the EPs. It was all kind of with a creative agency and I wasn't really given much say. So I think now that I'm with heavenly, like they just let me get on with it really. And for the next record, like I've done the artwork and I organized it myself and got the people I wanted to work with involved. And it was just such a, wonderful experience to like realize that oh i can do this like this is something i'm passionate about and you know i can do the sound and sonic stuff oh and i can do the artwork stuff and it's really nice to be able to do the whole package i guess
0: there's obviously so much planning personality you know stories um you know so many different sort of facets going on there Mm. i think it's so great to have examples to look towards and think there's so much freedom to be enjoyed there and to, you know, to embrace, to harness that freedom. It's so
2: important. And I think, when I think about the kind of freedom I've had working with Heavenly, like I just have got to fully immerse myself in this project and like artistically and in terms of like, yeah, just having control. And also, you know, it's so wonderful to be able to have an idea and realize it and then it gets signed off and used as artwork and you're like, Oh my God, I can do it. And, you know, Mm. there's so many people, I think, who are on certain labels are a bit you know corrupt (laughs) Mm. that you know that are um I I feel for them because there's so many people put in place to help you find your vision that you haven't got space to even think that you know there's so many different teams of there's a Someone that pitches to the artist, there's someone who is the artist, there's someone that is the person at the label who's going to help you decide, and there's also the A&R who are going to also want to have an opinion on that. So, you know, it must be suffocating, and I think it feels so unnatural for an artist not to be involved in every aspect of what they're creating.
0: Yeah, and, and I wonder if there's a lot of people who who think that's the way it should be. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, someone else yeah. is going to swoop in and and like design some amazing concept.
2: It just makes everything even more special that I can you know hold my record and, and be like oh that was I had that idea for the artwork and yeah. and you know it, this is my thing and it's something I've created so yeah it feels really like yes yeah, a, pre- a precious thing.
0: Brilliant. <laughs> when I think of the artwork to well, all, all of your artwork, all the all the posters and the and the record cover, it is like, Yeah, I think I can go for a walk actually. <laughs> it is very walking.
2: Oh, very walking you. artwork. I've been so flattered, it's so funny. I like, um, I played a show in um Plymouth and like um these three separate couples came up to me and they're like probably in their like forties, like, like Radio Six dads, I'd say, and their and their partners. Yeah. All really yeah. lovely people. And like all three of them showed me Pictures of the frame poster in their living room. <laughs> and I was like, one of them was a carpenter and made the frame, and his wife was like, "Look at what he's done." And I was like, "This is so weird," but like, I was also really flattered. But the fact that that's just like my face is in like someone's living room.
0: <laughs> but it is so funny how how that imagery kind of conjures that kind of carpenter's, you know, that kind of you know sawdust smell.
2: I mean, I just love the kind of stylistic, like, graphic and design of like the sixties and seventies, and um, I didn't want it to feel too pastiche because I was like, oh, you know, it's tricky territory. But I think we got a good balance in the end of like a nod to that era. But also, I mean, for me, it's like kind of like Victorian Western 1960s um, album cover. (laughs) Um, But then there's like Christmas Colours as well, which is like, I mean, I... Yeah, it's like red and red and green, but, I doesn't, but it doesn't feel Christmassy, which is great because, yeah, that'd be a bit worrying otherwise. I don't want it to be a Christmas, not a Christmas album.
0: <laughs> yeah, those few sentences there makes you think how, how sensitive something can be. You know, you kind of want it to be that, but not too pastiche. You want it to be red and green, but not Christmassy. That, that is, yeah. the, the, is, is there sort of quite a fine line there that you have to kind of find?
2: I think so, because I think, I don't know, there's like, there's so many bands out there. There's so many people doing... There there's such a revival of um, 70s graphics and illustration and style that, you know, I really wanted to make sure that I wasn't jumping on the bandwagon and that, you know, it was my first record. I wanted to make sure that even you got to be careful, like, even with the artwork, that it wasn't going to get lumped in with someone else's record so then sonically people would think that that was the same, you know. I didn't mm-hmm. want it to seem too stylistically of a time because, I mean, even from the first record, me saying the word country music once has meant, like, you know, everyone literally just thinks I'm like a country artist and the new record is like so far removed from that. And at the moment when I'm getting treatments for my next videos, people are involving like Western themes and cows and horses and cowgirls. And I'm like, oh no, like that's not, that's not the the full image anymore. Like, you know, it's a, Mm. that was a moment and one video, but you know, things stick. So I think I'm very aware of that.
0: (laughs) How do you kind of go about that? How do you go about have you got sort of a, a phrase or anything that you kind of been able to say to the, the people that you're kind of work with working with for videos?
2: I normally kind of just say like, Oh, like, um, I love this idea, but, um, I want to move away from, you know, the, the old elements that were from the past record, I guess. Mm. Um, and mm. yeah, I kind of just make sure. And, and now I've given a few more people some briefs. I've just made sure I've said like no Western themes, please. Like no <laughs> kind of, cows and cowgirls like we've done that yeah no 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 more please
0: (laughs) yeah
2: um but yeah it's a funny one i think i mean but then i'm my my own worst enemy because like my instagram bio is west country girl in the west country world so it's like (laughs) everyone's gonna be like yeehaw
1: that's that's katie
2: so I worked for two years at um, a vintage shop called the vintage thrift store I started I'd been in Bristol for like four months and I got the job and you get basically get deliveries of clothes so like this guy would come from Manchester with these huge bags of clothes and you like drag them down the stairs chuck them in the storeroom and there's just like piles and piles of vintage clothes and I think as soon as I worked there, I, that's when I started to find my like style. Like I always dressed a bit kooky and I loved secondhand clothes, but working there was just like the dream because you get first <laughs> dibs on the things, you know. There was so many rhinestone jackets, like a lot of stuff came from America. So it was always a really cool like denim stuff. And yeah, my boss was really lovely. And actually I've worked with her recently. She's like started doing like styling. So she helped me with my like a few press photo stuff. Um, Great. But yeah, and like, it was just a really fun place to work. Like, it was like, really a great kind of team of people. And yeah, it was like a really important time for me. Like, you know, it was like a really fun job. I, I love fashion and I just enjoyed kind of getting to like, discover my identity through working in a vintage shop. You know, it was great.
0: Is there like a direct influence between that and Katie J. Pearson?
2: Definitely, because, you know, when I first started the project, I was still working there. Um, and I got all my clothes from there so everything stylistically from that point in my life you know I was dressed fully from thrift (laughs) so you Mm know there's definitely a direct correlation between those two things and you know I think also I'm very thankful for that because it's just kind of meant that from the beginning people have been like so complimentary to me of complimentary to me of my style and it seems to be quite an important factor of what I do and you know, I've had people be like, oh, they just follow, they don't follow, they like my music, but they follow me because they want to see what I'm wearing, which is really funny. Yeah. But, you know, there's nothing wrong shows, with that,
0: right? That's nice. That's like, that's an
2: absolute compliment. I'm like, thank you. And, you know, it is important, that side of it. And, you know, yeah, I can't deny that, you know, if pe- pe- people that I look up to who are musicians, you know, if they're dressed cool, I'm like, even more of a fan. I'm like, they look great. But on the other hand, if they don't give a shit, it's also very cool. It doesn't, mm. there's, you know, there's no right or wrong way. But mm. for me, I worked at a laundrette um, and cafe for a bit for like six or seven months and I really enjoyed that I love laundrettes and I like on tour I try and go to them as much as I can I just love it
0: great imagery again
2: right (laughs) they're just so great I just love a laundrette like I just like sitting and sitting in them and I just like doing my washing and just like hanging out and yeah I just find it really fun um but yeah I worked at a laundrette in Bristol um yeah it was just really fun I used to just like um, make coffees and also just do people's laundry lots of folding your hands get really right. dry because of the yeah detergent the oh your hands get so dry so you have to always like moisturize them but yeah it was actually really fun and when I left all the people from my work came to my show in Bristol and you know everyone has been so supportive and I, it was quite funny because um, for a while when I was there I was also washing up so I was just doing KPing and they're like oh, what yeah. do you do and I was like oh I'm a musician and and then one of them was like, "I literally know you. I've been to one of your shows." He was like, "Why are you hidden here washing up?" And I was like, "Uh, I need the money." And he was like, "What? Like, why are you? Why are you here?" And I was like,
0: "Here I am." <laughs> it's one of those things that it it shouldn't be it shouldn't be anything like a, a secret or something that people at least I don't think.
2: Yeah. yeah, I'm not like hanging like when I'm not touring, I'm not like. You know, g- taking myself out for extravagant meals, and you know, mm. going on loads of holidays. Like, you know, you get back and you're like, right, I have this amount of mo- money until my next show. I I might go get a part time job here, I might do that. Um, and yeah, it's funny. Like, I've had a few times when I was working, at, when I was particularly working in that place. At one point, I didn't have my mask on, and this person said, "Oh, are you um, Kate J Pearson?" And I was like, "Yeah," and they were like I was serving them their coffees, and they were like so freaked out by it. They're like, "What? You're serving me? You're serving me?" And I'm like yeah <laughs> how
0: does that how did that make you feel
2: kind of just like embarrassed I was like embarrassed that but not about the fact that I worked at worked at the cafe just like that they were taken by surprise I felt bad that I shocked them like because they weren't expecting right. to see me in that environment and they were just like go for the coffee and then it was me serving them like and if they are a fan of mine and you know listen to my music it must be like severely out of context <laughs>
0: do you think there's sort of power in that myth
2: do you mean like kind of like you know keeping a separate where people are like you know they just think of you as being this kjp musician person yeah yeah wow. i think there is power in it um and you know i'd say that you know when you meet your peers and you get to know them you're like oh they're literally exactly the same as me and a lot of them have got part-time jobs too um mm. and you know but that myth is enjoyable it's fun but, yeah. you know, I'd say... Sorry,
0: power's probably the wrong word. I mean, like, good good, good energy, yeah, good, good, okay. good power.
2: <laughs> I think it's really important that people realise that, you know, you could be doing a sold-out show at Village Underground, but you could still be working in a laundrette, washing up on your days off. Mm. <laughs> um, mm. And, you know, I think that should be more widely recognised that, you know, so many of your biggest and favourite musicians who might be quite bigger, still struggling to make a living. And you, you, just, you never know. Yeah. You just never know.
0: And you could be enjoying it, right? That balance.
2: Exactly. And I think, you know, I was talking to a friend the other day and saying that, you know, music is my life and I love it so much, but I've done it for such a long time. And it's so important as, as I'm getting older that, you know, I'm making sure that I have other things that I do that nourish me that aren't just that, because, you know, the thing I did for therapy was music and I wrote songs to help me. But then by doing that, it is now my job and my living. Mm. So, you know, it is a, it is a, is a hard one, you know, it's still something I do and I love writing for myself and I do write for myself at new record. I feel like, you know, I really took time out to do it, but then the other side of it is, you know, it's also something you want, like I want to be able to make a living from it. So it is your job as well. So mm. it is a,
0: mm.
2: it's a big old thing.
0: <laughs> is there an element of getting stories and, and sort of, living as it were you know when you work in those jobs or or being in relationships or having friends it's still like it's it's, you know it's living it's finding stories finding influence
2: yeah I think it's it's really important and I really enjoy like when I go back to bar work and just work behind a bar like I really enjoy it and you know it's actually really fun and you know I I just like connecting with people and I find Mm. that that time out where you're not writing you know I can go like four or five months without writing and then write like loads of songs in a really short amount of time and that's quite a lot of how I do it I'm not really someone that's like really like routine about it um because mm. I just get I'm just very easy mm. distracted and get bored quite quick so
0: people are so interesting
2: yeah they are so interesting and like you know I love to just absorb everything and also just experience and live and be happy be sad be wobbly mm. and then be like right I'm gonna spit this all out into some songs and see what
0: happens Great. you know <laughs> brilliant well thanks so much for for being up for this my pleasure <laughs> one last thing i you know i can't wait for the village underground show 6th of december yes is that going to be your biggest london show to date how are you sort of feeling you know ahead i'm of quite
2: it? terrified to be honest i'm excited and i know i can do it but the <laughs> other part of me is like oh my god <laughs> like that gonna be like i'm not this is not a support slot this is like I'm headlining, like, you know, I'm used to playing shows like that and supporting someone at a big mm. venue like that. But the fact that it's my show is like, whoa, oh my God, this is like, i that's kind of a pinch me moment. Like, you know, it's a big, it's such a big deal for me to sell out a show that big. Um, and it just feels really like a real achievement. So yeah, Love I it. know I know it's going to be fine, but it's just the closer it gets, the more you kind of, your tummy starts to kind of feel a bit yeah. weird and you feel a bit like, yeah. you know, you're a bit, not sleeping as well because you know what's coming up but you know <laughs> I've got a good amount of shows under my belt from the year so I, oh, yeah. I know, it's going to be all right I think
0: <laughs> just remember that like you know I'm going with my mate and I know we're gonna finish work and have a few beers and you know we that, everyone is going to enjoy themselves do you know what yeah, I mean everyone is that's going. the
1: main
2: thing I've kind of really kind of accepted recently is like that it's like no one is out there to get you or to or to kind of, you know, boo at you. Even mm. if you fuck up, people are so on your side because mm. they like your music and they think you're a nice person. So yeah. I think it's important to just like, remember that.
0: Yeah. yeah. And you've done the work. The hard work <laughs> is is being done, has been done. Yeah.
2: yeah. So it's, it feels like this is just gonna be a celebration of that. And, you know, it's sold out. So I don't have to worry about selling it out. So that's good.
0: <laughs> Brilliant. Amazing. Well, I can't yeah. wait for it. I'm, I'm so excited.
2: Oh, thank you. It's gonna be fun.
0: Yeah. <laughs> all right, well, thank you so much again. And my pleasure. Yeah. See see you on the 6th of December.
2: Yeah. Alright then. Take care.
0: So there she is, Katie J. Pearson on 101 part-time jobs. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Here's Cox I've been working all day for me, mate, on the side. like blue fly. I've been working, yeah, I've been working all day for me, mate.
1: Go to Biooptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at com forward slash balance. Magnesium breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash.